remember trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's time Hello again everybody and welcome back to Random Discard I'm Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me as always is Rich Rich, how are you tonight? I'm doing real good That is really good to hear Really good to hear We're also joined here in the uh, Random Discard World Headquarters recording studio by Squee. Squee, how are you tonight? I'm doing much better since you let me out of the trunk. Yeah, well, you know, it was a spacious trunk. Look, you don't have to blindfold me and put me in the trunk. I can't see with one or the other. (laughs) To be fair, it is where you belong. Technically, I put the trunk in a trunk when I transported it, so... Oh, nesting, gotcha. No, all forgiven then. Yeah, I have to be thorough. Is, is what it ex- I mean, Random Discard World Headquarters is very exclusive. We can't let just anybody know where this is. So I have assembled you gentlemen here tonight to discuss something extremely important, and that is the vice presidential debates. No, I'm kidding. No one talks about the vice presidential debates. No, instead, we have Squee back on the show to revisit a topic that uh, we had an epic, like just an epic mega show about back at episode, I think it was 109, an episode entitled Purple Hair, where we discussed anime as a topic. And even though we went for two hours, this is going to shock you listeners, we did not actually get a complete discussion of the genre. Clues, if we did two hours tonight, we wouldn't have a complete discussion of the genre. Oh, uh, we, yeah, we definitely would What we would need... It is a large medium. ...is uh, about uh, 22 hours worth, and then we're going to take a break for about eight months, and then another 22 hours worth, and then we'll come back as a set of mini-series episodes, and later there'll be a movie that has the same title as our show, but is completely unrelated to anything you've ever seen before, but has the same character names. Oh, and then we yeah. will do some OVAs. Yeah. And then absolutely. everyone will complain that the book was better. Yeah, that's right. Even though there wasn't a book, people will complain that. Yeah, that's totally, totally going to happen. No, we are revisiting anime as a topic. And before we get wait, into... Wait, before before we start anything, I want to pull. Who's going to see the live action Ghost in the Shell with Scarlet Joe? Uh, yeah, I'm totally I mean, seeing that. I'm going to. <laughs> All right, Clue sounds excited. Squeeze sounds very hesitant. I am a really big fan of the Ghost in the Shell franchise, and so I'm hesitant when I hear live-action anime. Oh, yep, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, because well, I'm not saying it, it's going to be bad, did, and I have no reason Dragon to Ball tag, put you but I'm afraid. Oh, God, Dragon Ball. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. No one thought that was going to be good. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is that is fair. I'll give you that. This has the potential to be good. Yeah, I, just, I, I feel like the makers didn't even think it was going to be good. I'm a little worried that it's going to be a little more like the Eon Flux movie. I watched that. Where it wasn't it, terrible. I was going to say, where it, it wasn't terrible, but we were all kind of disappointed that Eon Flux as a concept got used up on that. I had no special nostalgia for Eon Flux because yeah, I it creeped either. me out when I saw it on MTV, and I don't like Peter Jung's art style. So replacing it with actual people was a big plus for me. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But no, I totally will see the Ghost in the Shell movie. Big, big fan yeah. of the Ghost in the Shell series, so uh, Standalone I. Complex, all of those. It's fantastic. Oh, so that's another thing that this movie has going for it, in my opinion, is since there have been, I'm going to describe them as multiple reimaginings of Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. it's okay if there's another, that doesn't ruin the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I could agree with that. Yeah, at this point, we've got about four or five continuities if you go to the books and everything else. Yeah, and so in theory, they could pick the best parts of each and just show us Tachkomas for like two hours, and that would be okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm there. 
Yep, I'll watch that. Because who doesn't love a Tachikoma? But hey, let me talk about something that some people don't love. Here is a phrase that I encounter occasionally in my day-to-day life. And perhaps you, dear listener, or you, my friends here on the podcast, you may have encountered this. You meet somebody, and you're talking about some anime, some show that you really enjoy, and they're like, oh, I hate anime. Oh, you mean people that end up in my trunk? Yeah, those sorts of people. Uh, Just as, as a disclaimer, don't put people in trunks. Unless, yeah, it's not a good idea. Yeah, unless they say I hate anime for no good reason. Yeah, even... I, 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 su- I support that message. Okay, that's Rich's message. That is not the view of uh, Random Discard, uh, the MTG Cast Network, or uh, let's say me. <laughs> but there are people who do say this, and I wanted to get your feelings on this topic. How do you approach someone who reacts that way? Is it? I mean, other than trunk, uh, is it? Is it just disengaged? Do you try and convince them? Well. I don't convince. I just ask why. Okay. I I think it's fair to find out. First of all, before you do anything, you have to acknowledge that there are people that will like things you don't like and dislike things that you do like. And that's okay. Whoa. Hold it, sir. What? I know. This is not popular on the internet. I don't think you've been on Reddit before. I avoid it whenever possible. Do you mean Um, to tell me not everyone has to love what I love? No. But how can I tell them that they're wrong then? I mean, you can wait for them to say something wrong, but the statement of, you know, I don't like this, or this does nothing for me, or I really don't care for it, those are all things that you can't disprove, because it's entirely up to them to feel that way. You mean it's subjective? Super subjective. Good God, man. And so, one of the things that um, nerdy people in particular are especially prone to is taking someone not liking something that they like as some kind of attack on them, and that's where most nerd fights happen. That is is 100% an attack on my soul. Yeah. But in terms of if someone just, you know, out of, if you're like, oh, I really like this show, and their response is, I don't like anime, most likely they've had an experience in the past where they've seen something and there are things about it they don't like. Mm -hmm. And it was enough for them to decide, yeah, this isn't for me. Right. Um, And to credit, there are plenty of things that I don't really care about. Um, I try not to make as broad a statement as that. Because saying you don't like anime is kind of like saying you don't like pictures. And that's really hard to actually back up. Most people like pictures of something. Kittens. They're very popular. I love pictures of kittens. But no, I agree with you 100%. I, I think to say that you hate anime, is it's really short-sighted. It's like, it's, it's like saying you hate an entire chunk. It's, it's like, I hate movies. Really? All movies? Like, none of them are I good hate, for you? People say that. And they, those people bother me. Yeah. But no. Well, it's not that different from saying you don't like books. I mean, like some people say they don't like books and they don't like the experience of reading. And, you know, Those are that can just be something they're not into. I think they uh, might be like reading for, the wrong. Well, that, that's one thing. That's for me is like everything. And it has to be with why. Like, because some people say, they say why. Because some people, like, I've heard them say that and I say, well, why? Like, oh, I don't like cartoons. I'm too, oh, that's for kids. So I'm like, well, clearly you only watch kid anime then. Yeah, boy, have I got some anime for you. Well, it's like they can't wrap their mind around the concept that cartoons can be for adults. Yeah. it's there are, They've already shut out the entire genre just because it's an animation. Well, hopefully tonight we're going to cover some areas of anime that... I'm, I'm not saying it's going to convince anyone who hates anime, but we're going to try and go broader in genres this time. Last time a lot of our focus was on, uh, let's call it, uh, male protagonist action anime. For the most part, there were some exceptions to that, and we did wander. It is my favorite. We wandered a bit toward the end there, but uh, a lot of it was I mean, very actiony. Full Metal Alchemist is one of the greatest things that's ever been broadcast on any sort of medium. Oh, this is fair. This is absolutely fair. 
Uh, but let's talk about a few tonight. Uh, who would like to bring up a show or, uh, or yeah, let's, let's start with some shows. Who wants to bring up a show first as something to, um, one for the older of the crowd and very strong stomached, uh, would be dead man. Wonderland dead man. Wonderland. I do not know this anime. It's about, about 12 episodes, I believe. Um, it's takes place in the future. Um, Tokyo, for some reason, is like gone. Just uh-huh. gone. Um, Tends to happen. some, it, it happens a lot. Not everyone kind of remembers what happened. Um, the main character, I'm spacing on his name right now. Generic male protagonist. We'll generic male. Steve. We'll go with generic whiny male protagonist. He's kind of whiny in the beginning. <laughs> there you go. Um, his entire class is d- murdered in front of him by some um, red dude with these. He's wearing red armor. A strange superpowered being floats outside of his window and then blows up everyone. So generic anime start. Uh-huh. Um, he gets accused by it. He gets arrested. Ho- hold uh, on. He gets... Is this a cold open? Does the theme song not happen until after his class is destroyed? I don't, I don't even... think you see the theme stuff until the end of the first episode. If yeah, it, even I, then. yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think you get it till the second episode. Like, if you were to just turn on the TV and not have anything telling you what you were watching, and you didn't get some little like you know violent content ahead kind of thing. Yeah. You might think you were just watching a school show for about a minute. Uh-huh. And then, and, and then, and then the world goes terribly wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, no one believes him. So he gets sent to this privately owned prison called dead man wonderland, which a lot of people think is a theme park mm-hmm. where they think the criminals are in these games where they died. It's hilarious. Cause it's not real. Well, that's wrong. It's extremely real. Oh my. Yeah. Um, and like one of the quotes are goes, oh, it's all for show. And even if they are real, who cares? They're criminals. <laughs> ah, so it's, it's, it's not subtle man. in its messaging. It's, not. it's a lot like Running Man. Yes, that's actually a good comparison. And the way the the prison works, um, I think anyone that's considered death row has the has this neck thing around, like, like this big neck brace uh-huh. that continuously delivers a stream of poison to your body. And if you don't eat what is they call candy mm-hmm. within three days, you die. Oh, wow. So, they so have to it's do... not like you're fighting for your food. You're fighting to not die from something they're already doing to you. <laughs> yeah, is... so you, you earn points by doing certain events and stuff, and you can w- earn candy. Wow. To stay alive. But that's just, the that's just it gets so much deeper. You learn that there's this underground of special people that the owner of the prison, or the r- person who runs the prison, has these people fight on like online communities. Like, it's like an online fight club that people bet on, mm-hmm. but they're super-powered individuals. They all have different bit ways to control their blood. Huh. Specifically their blood. Yep. Um, uh, I think his name is Ginta. Is that the main character? Steve. Ginta We're going with Steve. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, his, his abilities, he, uses, he turns it into a bullet. A bullet? Huh. Yes. He can propel his blood at, you know, bullet speeds. But yep, keep a, in mind, a, this is his blood. You can run he, out of that. <laughs> yeah, his first fight, he he just kept launching them, and, after, and he started to realize that's not a good idea. I see. And but if you and they're all nicknamed after birds. Uh-huh. And cuz that's like their code name. Sure. Well, and if you and if you lose, they take if you don't if the other person doesn't kill you, they take a body part. Ouch. Like, it's I kind can, of like that creepy um, lottery episode of the X-Files. Yeah. Um, I can stomach a lot of things. A lot. Um, when Crow lost and had to take a body part, I could not stomach that. I almost threw up. It, it's pretty sickening. So, um, as I mentioned to Rich before the show, uh, they ran this on Cartoon Network at one point. 
Okay, uh, before we get into that, uh, the character's name is Ganta. So thank you. Anybody thank who you. stop stop writing the tweets, it's Ganta. And okay, so I was you're telling me this show that you've just described this was on Cartoon Network. It was run in the launch uh, or the relaunch of Toonami, which they did a few years ago, and it was running I think after midnight. Um, Does it matter? There's no way that was on cable television like that. I just I can't oh they censored it. it. Like that's something you need to understand. Like they they had to bleep out, so they dubbed it accurately, mm-hmm. which means it's full of swearing, mm-hmm. it's a full of, of crude swearing. language, it's full of the stuff that you would expect in a kill or be killed prison. And so they're just bleeping constantly. It's like they're testing the emergency broadcast system as you're watching this show. <laughs> Um, it, it's bleeping excessively. They've blurred out the gore uh-huh. wherever they could. And so, you know, things are happening and you see them, but it's blurry. So you have blurry bits of people getting gotcha. cut out. Um, Why would they even think that's a good idea? I just don't understand. I mean, I think they picked that as their, one of their launch shows when they brought back Toonami as their way of saying, you remember how way back when Toonami was a thing, we would run things in the afternoon, and like on Tenshi Muyo, we would, you know, ink in towels and bathing suits on the naked people, even though there were no details anyway. And we would cut out all the swearing, and people couldn't say die on Dragon Ball. Well, we're not doing any of that. We're just taking the DVDs and then cutting it down to what we can broadcast and going with it. And so it was kind of hard to watch like that. You could tell what was going on, but... You were. It was like whenever you watch the you know TBS edit of an R-rated movie. It's just weird. Right. Have you have you seen the real version, the non-edited? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little rough. Uh, it's it got a good story. Um, I think it finishes well. Um, it's only twelve episodes, and it's nice because Zick, you don't have to get. It's nice and quick. Um, it adapts the first storyline from the manga. I think it goes on a lot past that. Oh, but does that it? Wasn't it wasn't out at the time. If there's more, that sounds great. Uh, if they do more, I mean, I enjoyed it, and I'll definitely watch it again. But it's, it's one not – I don't know a lot of people that have heard of it. Um, it's a good watch if you can stomach it. And if you're not 18, you probably sh- – I mean, I don't know how you feel about watching that kind of stuff. It is definitely one of those ones I recommend that you be an adult to watch. It, it's a- it kind of felt to me like one of those things that the storyline at the beginning is pretty dumb. Like, the first episode only works because a lot of dumb things happened. And later on, they sort of explain why these things happen, so it gets better. But the thing to understand is that in the first episode, you've just got a whole bunch of kids, and then guy shows up and kills all of them and leaves, like, one kid as a survivor. And then all of these people are like, well, clearly this kid killed, like, 30 people. And I'm like, how? How does the kid result in all of this violence? And you don't really know why you're watching it. And then they dig up some videotape of him, like, bragging about doing it and, like, blatantly doctored footage. But again, like, that's what they've got. So they go with it. And it isn't until later that they explain, oh, yeah, some people have superpowers. And that would make this make more sense. Right. And And his his lawyer that was assigned to him is actually the guy that runs the prison. Exactly. Like, they piece it together later. But in the first episode, it just feels like someone's created a story for the express purpose of being evil to this kid. And, like, there's no greater motivation for anything. Like he's he, he's whiny and he's very woe is me, but his life is very woe is me. Okay, so it's a single season. It's like twelve episodes. It, does it conclude? Kind of. Okay, because that's... an aspect that a season, like a season ends. It's yeah. like if you're watching a show that was probably designed to be five seasons long, and they gave it one season. And so a lot of things, like there is a structure in the first season. You get a you know a build up, a climax, things end. You feel like you got the end of book one. When there are more books, um, 
I don't know if they've decided to adapt more of the source material, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot more to the manga than was adapted into the anime. Because I so. I've been burned before. Uh, I watched Neon Genesis Evangelion, and it, oh well, that uh, that has multiple endings. I don't know what you're talking about, Clues. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem. There's no closure. With us. Well, if you wait a little bit longer, you get an end of the new movie series, which will be different again. So that's that's Dead Man Wonderland. That is available. I just did a, a quick check on JustWatch.com, which is like the most awesome thing I only recently discovered exists. Uh, it is currently, as of this recording, which is uh, late 2016, it is available for streaming on Hulu. Otherwise, you can buy it from uh, iTunes or Amazon. But uh, there there you go. Um, before we leave this show, I... Boy, I, I hesitate to bring up this topic, but I feel like we need to, just because it is a reoccurring theme in a lot of anime. Uh, the idea of a dystopian future where Tokyo is somehow wiped out is a very common theme in a lot of anime. Yep. And I yeah. cannot possibly imagine why that might be. I mean, except for the fact that in World War II, two Japanese cities were wiped off the map. So, uh... I don't think it's that. You don't? No, See, I, feel I, like, do, I don't either. I feel like it is. I feel like it becomes a, a popular so, but, topic but, in Japanese you, culture. Uh, let's look at video games, because that's... Um, that's how the U.S. tells a lot of stories. Let's look at Last of Us. It takes place in a dystopian America with zombies. That's a very common reoccurrence in, in U United States storytelling. Dystopian future, zombies. Well, I think one of the things to keep in mind across most fiction is that in order to do a scenario where you've changed everything, you have to usually set things in the future if you still want callbacks to you know life before. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to establish that everything has changed and get people to believe that you've changed a lot of society, not simply just, you know, things have evolved at a normal rate, you have to have some kind of tragedy. Sure. And I think when you look at American things, you know, the iconic scene from the end of Planet of the Apes is like, oh, well, there went that. That sucked. Um, when you get, you know, zombie movies are really good for this because it's always that after the end kind of mindset where you can see things that were very familiar, but obviously things are different because society's over. Mm -hmm. Um, you also get things like, actually, I think pretty much anything set more than a hundred years in the future probably has had some kind of catastrophe. Even Star Trek does it w when they had their, uh, what was it? The eugenics wars. We had the eugenics wars. There was also, if, if you believe, uh, TOS uh, continuity, there was a third world war that occurred. Yeah. And it's very typical for these things to be like post-apocalyptic because you've got to do something big to shake everything up. I think the reason why Tokyo in particular keeps getting destroyed is, it is because it, um, Akira, I mean, Akira certainly did a good job of destroying Tokyo, but I mean, they were blowing up Tokyo long before Akira came out. Um, I mean, Godzilla shows up and wrecks Tokyo. Yeah, but again, that Godzilla now, is That one would be a little bit more of, of the argument in favor of it being about the atomic bombs but yeah. i think it really and truly in most cultures if you want to establish that the old guard is gone you blow up the old capital i mean independence day pretty much opens with three major cities getting destroyed oh, this is i mean just american cities on top of everything else going on in the world i mean you blow Wait. up the center of power and then someone can swoop in and change everything you're telling me that other countries matter i that's not how american cinema works look we had to send a message to someone to show that we got there first okay and yeah, so I, I wouldn't worry too. I wouldn't think too much of that in particular. Now, I'm not going to say that it's never a thing. Like in some shows, they make a point of making allusions to it. Mm -hmm. But I think that for the most part, blowing up Tokyo isn't that different from 
the Independence Day approach. It just shakes everything up, and there's no way of pretending that things are going to go back to normal once you've seen your capital burn. Right. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, do we have anything lighter? Because do we have a palate cleanser? Because that, that one seemed really dark. Um, yeah, I'll give you a something that I found to be a lot lighter and really fun. Just jumping around in a list. So um, a few years back, a movie that had been in production for a very long time came out. Uh, the movie is called Redline. I think there are other films with similar names to it. So you'll have to make sure you're getting the anime one if you're looking it up online. Mm-hmm. But the thing to understand about Redline is that it's pretty much Wacky Racers. Huh. Like, if you think back to, like, the old Wacky Racers cartoons, or really anything where you have giant, you know, armed vehicles and ridiculous over-the-top characters, all essentially in a race, which is life or death, and there's, you know, the whole world is sort of built around it. That's what Redline is. It's an incredibly high-budget, beautifully animated movie that I think runs, like, 90 minutes or something, maybe a little more than that. And... It consists of um, the red line race. It's a big race. People qualify for it by winning smaller races throughout the universe. And the whole point of it is that everyone in the universe is in on this. Like, this is amazing. This is what people bet on. Economies are built around it. It's insane. And the main character is uh, Sweet JP, who has a massive pompadour and a switchblade comb. And he drives what is essentially a normal on-the-ground car that's just been souped up with a ridiculous engine while he's going up against everything from um, robot cars to, like, pedal-driven ridiculous things, you know, driven by essentially the Beatles, Uh um, to an actual robot who is his own car. There's also a giant gorilla cop driving a police car and (laughs) a woman with ridiculous technicolor hair who is driving a car that's essentially a crab. Um, <laughs> it's utterly absurd. And it's amazing. It's an absolutely amazing movie to watch. It takes itself completely seriously, uh-huh. even though it's completely absurd. Okay. And the soundtrack is great. Again, like you could pause any frame of this movie and make it your desktop wallpaper because the budget is absurd. Like they spent years animating every frame in ridiculous detail. Uh, was and, it was it hand animated or was this uh, computer gen? Um, it's computer generated, but you can. So one of the things that I like to talk about really old anime when they do high budget old things like Akira, it's the attention to detail that you get in all the hand drawn stuff. Mm-hmm. And generally, when you CG things, there's less of that because they just sort of slap a gradient or a texture on and then they move on. Right. Uh, Redline didn't do that. Like I'm pretty sure it's computer animated, but it's computer animated frame by frame. Like, you'll know it the second you start watching it, or if you go find a trailer for it online on YouTube, it's absurd just to see it. And the fact that they take it completely seriously, even though you're... So the entire hook of the movie is that Sweet JP and all of these other racers are going to race um, the Red Line, which is placed on the planet RoboWorld. It's actually called RoboWorld. RoboWorld is a militaristic dictatorship of you know, like cyborgs and machine people who are completely against having anyone visiting their planet. They have military secrets. They don't want anyone there. They make it abundantly clear that anyone who steps down anywhere near their planet will be killed on sight. And so naturally that just makes the race more exciting. Of course. So you were doing a lap around a planet where everyone is trying to kill you and the other racers are trying to defeat you. Right. And everyone in the universe is watching. 
I am and... looking at a trailer right now, and Squee is not wrong. This is beautiful. Now I gotta look. Yeah, it's here. a fun and amazing thing to check out. Like I, I strongly recommend it. It's just a movie. You don't have to know anything going in. You don't have to worry about getting pulled into something that you have to linger with for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just great. Uh, does it conclude? Yes. Okay, good. That is a big litmus test. For Not me. surprisingly, it concludes with a race. You're kidding. Like uh, the the bulk of the movie is one race. Yeah, allow and me it's wonderful. to read just the uh, beginning of the synopsis here. The most dangerous and exciting car race in the universe is held only once every five years. And that's tonight. See, if that doesn't hook you, I don't know what would. It's pretty great. Um, if you remember, like, I, I compare it to Wacky Racers because you have all these weird animal people and alien people and all that. Yeah. But it's also kind of like what people thought of when they thought of, like, old Speed Racer, mm-hmm. where you've got a car that has got a lot of weird nonsense in it. Um, the main character is called Sweet JP because he doesn't put weapons on his car. He wants to win the old-fashioned way. While everyone else has got, like, guns and, and like, giant claws yeah. and robot modes and stuff. He's just trying to race. Huh. And he's chill. And he's super chill the whole movie. It's great. And he has ridiculously long hair. He does, yes. Straight out the front. It's like a bird is sitting on his head. Huh. All right. Well, that's that's totally a thing. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen the Pompadour yet. Uh, you can kind of see it on the, the, the cover of yeah. Uh, that whole thing is the pompadour. Yeah, that's his hair. That's not being exaggerated for the cover either. This is one of those things where you probably have to be careful about sitting down in normal cars because your hair will be on the roof. The animation style looks very much like Ojo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, a, a lot like it, yeah. It might even be the same animation studio now that I'm thinking about it. Um, is it? A, do they have it in English? Yeah, nope. you can you can watch it dubbed. Okay. I watch it in Japanese because it's more fun to hear um, the English for me mm-hmm. because they throw around words in English all the time and it's ridiculous sounding and that just adds to the flavor of it. But I'm pretty sure you can get this in English. It, it had like a real American release. You could go find it. Looks amazing. All right. I got to put that. I'm going to put a star next to that on my list here. Cause I think I really would like to check that out I do too. That looks great. Okay. Right. Yeah. There's an English dub. I've just confirmed it. So, uh, and that one, I think, think you can get it on a couple of the streaming services. Uh, looks like it's on Hulu uh, or apparently Voodoo. I don't know Voodoo. So Voodoo? You do. We do. Do what? I can get it in two day. days on Amazon Prime. Exactly. Uh, ooh, for, nine, nice. for $9. Oh, sweet. A DVD or Blu-ray? Blu-ray. Get the Blu-ray. Don't, don't short yourself. Huh. Absolutely not. Okay, for I'm going to... Gonna have to put that on. So, know. to give you an anecdote of how amazing this experience was, when my anime club watched it and it was new, we were watching the like it hadn't come out in America yet. Like this had just come out in Japan. So we acquired it online. We got like some high quality files. We watched it as a club. We were on the edge of our seats. We were laughing. We were cheering. We were fully invested. Like I haven't seen this kind of experience in an anime club ever. And so we were all on the edge of our seats. The movie ends. We're all cheering through the credits. We're all laughing. We were all so happy. Watching the rest of our shows that night was a giant step down. Um, And not one, but two people upon watching this were at that right level of ridiculous bad decision making that they went online and ordered the Japanese Blu-ray. Oh, that had to have been crazy. It was. It was about 150 bucks. Good God. It was insane. Like, I won't say that you should do that because I got the thing for $10. Yeah. And you're getting a much better deal at $10. But they were caught up in the moment. They're like, I need to own this right now. And so they went for it. 
All right, so, fair enough. It's capable of creating that. If you can, watch it with other people. Um, it, there's no problem with watching it by yourself, but it, the hype can build if you get with other people who get into it. Right. Okay, Redline. I, I like that. That's, uh, that's a good suggestion there. Uh, one I want to bring up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inject one here. Uh, let me ask you, gentlemen, a question to which I already know the answer because we talked about this before the show. Have either of you seen the new Voltron Legendary Defender? The, the I have new... not, but it's on my list to watch. Okay. I was going to watch it before this, and then I found out the first episode was 70 minutes, and yeah. I had 25 minutes. The first episode is a bit long, yes. It, it has 11 episodes currently out right now. It is a Netflix exclusive. You can go watch it. You could literally pause this podcast and go watch it right now on Netflix, and I'm actually not going to recommend that you do that. Now, hold on. I, I know that there are going to be some Voltron lovers out there who are going to go, wait a minute, Clues, are you dissing on Voltron? No, I am not dissing on Voltron. It's a fine show. It's just not great. I wanted more out of it than I got. So one season is out now. I think the first episode and maybe the last episode are long, uh, but it's it's okay. It, it's How can but, I describe this? Doesn't it sound like, to me, it sounds like you went into it with more expectation than what they delivered. Yeah, I I expected it to be a more adult, a more nuanced Voltron, but it's it's not. It is not a deep. It, show. It's Voltron for a new generation. It is yeah. It's literally just Voltron for a new generation. That's a good way to describe it. Again, it is not bad in any way. It's just it's very. I feel like shallow is the phrase that I want to use, but that sounds overly harsh. But that's what I mean. That's what Voltron is. Voltron's not a deep show. Voltron's like Power Rangers. It's, you battle something every episode, and then you tell move them on what to the Voltron next. is because there are people who don't know what Voltron is. Clues. Yeah. Voltron is when you take a commander and you keep. Wait, that's not yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you joining us from the magic world, and have you've been wondering why there are decks called Voltron decks? Uh, so Voltron, and I, I only have the vaguest recollections of the original Voltron, which I watched on like VHS tapes that I rented from an appliance store because back in the day, the appliance stores had, had video rental counters. Uh, Why so not? this is even before the blockbuster days. So I, I watched it when I was very young, but Voltron is a set of five giant lion robots. That when when plot di- dictates it, can form together into a giant robot, and so like one one lion makes a leg, and another lion makes the other leg, and then you've got an arm and an arm, and then the torso, and maybe the head. The head pops out of the torso. Look, it's a little weird. He forms the head. He forms the head. That's right. The special. Yeah, guy. if you've ever seen Power Rangers, it's how that works. It's exactly how that. Hundred percent how Power Rangers work. Yeah. So Voltron was, I I think, the first cartoon incarnation of that sort of a thing. And I mean, the original Voltron is classic, old, uh, animated cartoon. This is it updated for, for a new generation. And I don't know if it's the first, but it's definitely the one that popularized it. And it's the one that America got. It's got a lot of tropes in it. So you've got... Uh, you know, all of your main characters are, are anime tropes. You've got the, the hotshot pilot who thinks that he's better than everyone else, but he's a loose cannon. Ace, if you will. And you've got, uh, you've got the slightly older mentor character who's just trying to hold the whole team together. And you've got the young nerdy kid who's not understood by everyone else, but has amazing skills with computers. And you've got the fat guy who's funny because he's the fat guy. 
I mean, it's really very, very tropey. For those of you who go to TV tropes, this is where the five man band comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's again, where the five of them are. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. It's just go into it with the right expectations. It's, it's I light. To me, I feel I could watch it and just get the warm and fuzzies from what I watched when I was younger. Yeah, you can and totally remember of old and remember of old Voltron because I'm not looking any more any, from anything more of that. Yeah, you can absolutely totally do that. But you know, I've watched too many shows recently, and maybe maybe it was just the timing of things. I've watched too many shows recently where there was in-depth character backstory and lots of character progression and deep subtle plots, and this doesn't really have that. There there is an overarching story. There is an overarching villain. There's definitely stuff going on in the series that isn't yet addressed. There's probably deeper stuff down the line. I'm just saying it wasn't as deep as I wanted it to be. But the animation is very well done. Uh, it's it's funny. It's heartwarming. It's enjoyable. It's just, I, I feel it's light, is what I'm going to describe. You, you feel as. like you're watching a kid's show. Exactly. And to be fair, that's literally what I'm doing in case. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Absolutely not. It's just don't. Not everything is going to be the last Airbender. Yeah, yeah. Or, or even uh, I'm I'm trying to think of something that's deep but not too deep. And I hesitate to do this because I don't want to start a fight. But it's it's not Young Justice. It's not Full Metal Alchemist, right? There's there's not that kind Full of Metal. deep emotional involvement that you get with the characters. No, actually, that, this that show yeah. hits you in the feels. Yeah, <laughs> this actually raises a good point that ties back to your original thing of people saying they don't like anime. Um, a lot of time people don't realize that like everything else, anime has target audiences and it's very unlikely that you fall into all of them. Right. Um, in Japan, when you decide you're going to green light a show, you decide if you're going to aim for young boys, young girls, boys who are like a bit older and can handle more, you know, like more mature themes and require a little bit more plot. Girls who, as they get older, in Japan at least, and again, it's unfortunate that the gender lines sort of dictate this, get a little bit more romancy stuff as they get older. Um, so, like, young boy anime typically involve, like, your Dragon Ball, because Dragon Ball was meant for young boys. Um, the things have very simple plots, a hero who's plucky, who, um, you know, is good, and who, you know, wins things by being better than other people, like the fighter, the tryhard, all that stuff. That's where most of your shonen anime, because shonen is the genre that Dragon Ball Z and Naruto and One Piece and all that stuff fall into. Um, that is literally the young boy anime. That's who those are for. For um, young girls tend to get things more like the um, the magical girl anime when they're really young. And that's what ultimately turned into things like Sailor Moon or Cardcaptor Sakura or any number of things that have come out for a while. And then as they get older, they start directing them things that have more of an ongoing plot, a bit less episodic, or things that have more mature themes that usually cater more towards young teenagers and people that are sort of establishing where they are in the world. And finally, you get to the older stuff, which is aimed more at people who are actually essentially adults. And all of these things exist, but if you've only ever been exposed to the anime that's targeted at young children then it, yeah, it makes sense that you think that cartoons are for kids. Yeah. And in the case of Voltron, it's aimed at young children. So everyone can watch it, but you need to remember that when you go in, that this is not catering towards people looking for more than that out of their cartoon. Yeah, and I want to stress that. I'm not saying it's bad. I did enjoy it. It's just it wasn't... It, 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 was, it was younger than I, than I expected. I can't explain why I was expecting more than that. It's just where I was in my headspace at the time. 
Just remember, not all magical girl animes are for young girls, though. There are subversions, and they're called Madoka Magica. And there are <laughs> other examples of well, it. Well, Magi yes. Madoka Magica. Very long name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, similarly, actually, you might find this entertaining, Clue. So you remember how you were talking about how Evangelion disappointed you and all of its weirdness and lack of inclusion? Yeah. Evangelion was created to take the young boy genre of um, Mecha, uh-huh. like the robots, and ask the question, what kind of scenario would it take to actually put a child in a giant robot and make them fight to save the world? And that's what it set out to do. And, what would that do to the kid? And <laughs> What kind know, of terrible father would do that? <laughs> that's what I loved about the series during it, but at the end, it didn't really end. It's just some things happened. And, they ran out of money. And then we made a movie, and those things that happened, let's just make them different-ish. Maybe that'll make You could have an entire show going into what happened there. Yeah, but, and we may do that, but not tonight. But yeah, like the main thing to understand there is that because in Japan, children watch, you know, children-directed anime as they get older, um, just like we do when we dig things out, um... They will show subversions of it, and they'll deconstruct things, and they'll do all that stuff, and that tends to be the more adult version of stuff. So, yeah. All right, so that's that's Voltron, uh, or at least what I want to say about Voltron. Until you guys get a chance to see it someday, we'll probably talk about it eventually. But okay, what what else we got? Uh, and, and anybody got one you want to throw out? Helsing. Helsing. Okay, talk to me. Named after Van Helsing from Dracula fame. Yes. Um, there's two. There's the classic. 13 episodes the first which the started yeah, which started to follow the manga but then eventually stopped it ran out of manga very quickly yes because they ran faster than the manga was that what it was so the deal with it was that um when the helsing manga came out it was really popular and it was at a point in time it was the early 2000s it was like literally 2001 ish um and the manga only had two volumes made so the TV show was, you know, fast line for we're going to get this thing out while this thing's popular. And hopefully the TV show will introduce enough people that they'll then go over to the manga and continue on in the manga. Um, and so adapting a whopping two volumes of story, they tried to make a 13 episode show and they ran out of stuff at about episode six. Um, and they would take things like really short scenes, things that were maybe five pages in the book and adapt them into 10 minute segments in the show. But that said, they got to expand on a lot of things that were only alluded to in the book. And so I'm not saying they, they wasted it, but they were adapting the original story up to a point, And then they had like five or six episodes to do whatever they wanted with it. So they came up with their own story. Which was a little lackluster, in my opinion. It you you can really tell when you're watching it when they change directions. Yes. It's pretty clear when you're watching it. It is, and that's the, that's the downside to it. But then they made Helsing Ultimate. And from the looks of things, that was made a decade later. It, it was made over a very long amount of time. So Helsing Ultimate came out a bit a bit later. And unlike the TV show that was, you know, essentially quickly put together and released over the course of three months, um, each episode of Helsing Ultimate adapted roughly a volume of the manga. And they came out anywhere between four and six months apart. They're all like there's like 15 OVAs. They're all like almost an hour apiece, maybe a little bit more. I think there ended up being, um, I don't know, like 12 or so of them. But yeah, they're all about 45 to 50 minutes, maybe an hour. Um, They vary because they didn't have to run it on TV. So it's kind of like when you watch a Netflix show and each episode is as long as it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what they did with it. 
And so that means that if you'd watched the original show and then Helsing Ultimate came out, episode two of Helsing Ultimate catches you up to what they did in the first half of the TV show. And then it goes off in a very different direction when the actual very story villain shows up. <laughs> now, which which is the better Helsing? We were talking about this earlier. We never neither one of us stated which we thought was the better Helsing. Uh, I'm going to go firmly in the camp of Helsing Ultimate is the better a- Helsing. Absolutely, it's that's not really much of a debate there. It's um, I, I like the first one, but I enjoyed after, the first one when it came out. After watching Helsing Ultimate, I you feel how un how much the first one did not dive into its characters. Now, we talked about this a bit when we talked about uh, uh, Full Metal Alchemist last time, but let me ask this about Helsing. If I haven't seen Helsing, which I have not, and I were going to do so, do I bother to watch the original Helsing or just skip straight to Ultimate? Skip. Skip. Okay, great. (laughs) It's sort of like saying um, there's a made-for-TV movie version of this book, and then there's a summer blockbuster version of this book. Ah. And also the summer blockbuster was written by someone who read the book. Because <laughs> the TV show didn't know where the story was going. Okay. You really can't know, based on the first two volumes, where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took a very different direction. Yeah, like, there was a plot twist at the end of the second volume that established who the villain was. And that wasn't out when they did the show. So they didn't know who the villain was. And so they had to make up a villain. And the villain they made up is nowhere near as interesting as the one that had the benefit of being created over the course of, like, ten years of writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not even a fair fight to compare them. It's not. Um, in, and Helsing Ultimate has some of the most epic battles you'll ever see in anime. The, I, I, I thought I thought when he fights Father Alexander. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite anime fights of all time. Yeah, the um. so to understand what Helsing is, is... The um, Helsing organization is essentially a government-backed and government-approved um, branch of essentially monster hunters hmm. um, that dates back to the actual like Van Helsing who fought Dracula. Right. And their job is to essentially keep London safe or keep you know you know England the the British monarchy and everyone safe from the monsters that exist in the world and. Separate to them, there are the actual, like, the armed forces of the Catholic Church and all these other organizations out there that have also interacted with these things. But you get a ridiculously over-the-top world because the main character is Alucard of, you know, Dracula fame. And he is so ridiculously overpowered that every fight is super one-sided and it's not a matter of will alucard win it's how is this going to go down because it's oh, not close and then as the story goes on it you know things will happen and that'll change that status quo but early on it's just ridiculous super strong vampires with ridiculously large guns people with swords people killing other people with essentially like cable floss um oh, so wonder. much blood and violence it's ridiculous but it's really cool to watch i mean i feel like alucard was one punch man before one punch man was a thing I think that's fair. He was the most over-the-top hero this side of Vash the Stampede. And unlike Vash the Stampede, he'll totally kill people. And you can see it. Oh, yeah. He has no qualms about killing anybody. Um, Um, I've seen a lot of lists that rate who they think the most powerful character in, like, all of anime. Alucard's close to the top of that list almost every time. It has the luxury of the fact that the guy who writes it 
wants to write scenes more so than he wants to write stories. Everything he does is setting up fight scenes all the way through. And here's a really cool character. And why are they cool? Because he said they're cool. And if they have cool powers, they have ridiculous powers. And then here's another one and repeat. And it's really just watching them fight is great. Like there is a mystery, but it's solved pretty quickly. And from there, it's just watching it go down. Well, all right. Yeah. Uh, looks like it is streaming on Hulu, which seems to be a, a common theme here. Uh, but I, you can. I also enjoy that the Ultimate brought back a lot of the original voice cast. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. They dubbed this with people doing British accents, which is pretty funny. I, I like when they do. Uh, you can also get it on Amazon. They have a uh, Helsing Ultimate uh, Volume 1 through 4, which I, I don't know that this is the whole thing. I th- it's most likely the first four four OVAs. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's so just they released the- these things one episode at a time and expensive. Yeah. And only recently did they go back and actually start making box sets. Yeah, it looks um, like this oh, is the box set of just the first four. It's like thirty bucks. Um, uh, but I, they have the others. This is got, not to be like an ad for anyone because no one sponsors us, but I actually pay a yearly subscription to Funimation, and they have a live um, a streaming service that has yeah. Most of anything Funimation does, plus continually updating new stuff, and you can do simulcasts for the subbed, or you can also wait for the dubbed. I'm very excited because they just put Code Geass on there. Nice. Uh, hey, while while we're on this subject, I just want to take a quick pause before we get back to uh, another show or two before we wrap this up. Uh, tell me more about the the Funimation subscription and how that works. Is it like a browser app? Do they have like an app for um, Chromecast? They have an app for, or... they have an app for the um, PlayStation. Okay. Um, there's an app for your phone. Um, those are the only apps I'm aware of. You can watch it on their website as well. Okay. And I just watch things on their website. And what's the cost like on? Um, I pay sixty dollars for a year. Oh well, that's not bad at all. Yeah, if you've just got it's pretty news. manageable if you like anime because that's what you're going to get. Yes, and you like, like, get a lot of it, it. It has like you know almost all of One Piece. Um, it has like all of Fairy Tale, and those are 200 plus some episodes. They have all the episodes. It's very efficient by comparison to trying to buy the stuff on disc. Right. Yeah. And if you like to watch things as they're coming out, Funimation is going to be one of your best bets. Absolutely. You're going to have Funimation, you're going to have Crunchyroll, and then pretty much everything else is going to be illegal. Oh, tell me about Crunchyroll, because I've heard about that. Uh, I've heard of it as well. Crunchyroll does a lot of live updates, a lot of seasons you can watch. Um, They also do manga, but about about, they have, like, of all the anime they have, about 10% are dubbed. They're almost entirely subbed. So to give you some fun background on this, Crunchyroll started out as a website that illegally streamed uh, fan subs. And... The thing to understand is that historically, when an anime would come out in Japan, fan subbers would be people who would essentially put together their own translations and their own subtitles, and they would release these files to the wild. And people who didn't want to wait for a company to release it on DVD would go out and download them. And that was it. Like, if you didn't want to wait forever, you would pirate it. Um, Because you had no guarantee a show would be picked up. You didn't know how long it would take them to release it. Because they wouldn't release things until they'd already made a dub. So at minimum, you're well behind it. Um, and Crunchyroll was one of the first examples of a place that actually went legit by buying up the rights to do this from the companies. Like, straight up, can we just translate your stuff and put it out as it airs? Uh, and I when have... they started doing that, it changed the model tremendously for how anime was released in America. I want to interject something that you may not be aware of. Did you know that Funimation and Crunchyroll are now working together? I'm not surprised. So this I is... 
This is as of September of this year, so just last month this was announced. Uh, apparently, they're now working together, and for new stuff, the sub will go to Crunchyroll, and then they'll work on the dub and put it on Funimation. That makes sense. And I like that. So I mean, the thing to understand is that until recently, because everyone was just pirating stuff because they didn't want to wait, when things finally were through the whole dubbing process, people weren't buying it because they'd already seen it. Mm-hmm. Like... I buy things that I've already seen, but I'm in the minority there. And I understand that a lot of people don't have the money to throw down for, you know, getting Blu-ray or DVDs of stuff. But for 60 bucks a year, you can watch pretty much everything that's relevant that comes out legally. Yep. Which is a massive step up from before. Yeah. And they they keep pretty much the entire library. I think you can watch all of Bleach on Crunchyroll if you want to watch. Pretty much subscribe to anime. And looks like Helsing Ultimate is totally on here. And they'll probably give it to you in both languages. Probably. Yep. Funimation's got it in dubbed. Funimation offers both, but they have the biggest variety of dubs because Funimation is a dubbing company. Yeah. They're one of the only survivors. Um, In the early 2000s, there were dozens of companies that did this. And the anime bubble was huge because Pokemon took off and Toonami had Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon and everything. And people were really into it. And then over the course of the 2000s, companies started dropping like flies when the cost of licensing was driven really high from competition and people were just going out and pirating stuff. Mm-hmm. And so eventually that collapsed on itself and Funimation slowly either ate its competitors or its competitors went away and they bought up the rights to the things that they had done. And yeah, I think Funimation is one of the only ones left at this point. And explains why you hear almost all the same voice actors. Uh, yeah, there, there is that. The, the voice acting industry also condensed a little bit following that. A little bit. Just a smidge all right well hey sorry to derail us there but uh, i you know since we were trying to fill in people as we go along that if they hear something that, sure. they, that they like they might want to try and find it so yeah okay so funimation and or Crunchyroll are both uh viable options i'll tell you what i'm thinking about getting a sub to funimation now uh, it's a good I, idea if you I like, think it's 100 percent worth it i don't know if they do this but i think funimation also gives you some degree of recommendation based on other stuff that you've seen is that true um Emails, yes. Their website, yes. The like PlayStation okay. 4 app, no. Gotcha. They just show you what's featured, which is some of the newer stuff. Yeah. They, they advertise their simulcast a lot. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, simulcasting is pretty huge because so much comes out in Japan. Mm-hmm. And a relatively small fraction of it in the past would make it over here. But anything that looks promising, you've got a chance to try out without really having to pay anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's nice. All right. Well, awesome sauce. Okay, let's uh, let's try and hit at least a few more before we wrap this up. So uh, you wanted we... to hit one from yeah. Netflix, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I do have one that I want to revisit that we mentioned last time. Uh, so last time when we were when we did this epi- this uh, this topic, uh, Rich brought up a show called Seven Deadly Sins. And I had not yet seen it, and uh, he and Squee discussed it very briefly, uh, in that Squee, not a fan, rich fan. So I have now seen it. That was one of them that I starred last time, and I made a point to go watch Seven Deadly Sins. And I have to say, I enjoyed it. I thought that was a fun show. So, uh, boy, how to describe Seven Deadly Sins uh, without just giving away without fan chunks. Without, without fan service? It's uh, yeah, tough. Well, you can't do that. There's a lot. You have yeah. to get through the fan service. Yeah, you really, yeah. really do. And if so, you like fan service, you'll love the show. So the thing to understand is, like I was saying before, target audiences, target audience for this, teenage boys. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, the thing is, like, I'm normally not into a lot of goofy animes. Um, this one's, like, 
got the right mixture of goofy and serious and action packed and like just the right. I think to me it's got the right mixture because it is goofy. There's a lot of goofy moments, but it's not like any characters like too goofy where you can't ever take them seriously. Hmm. It feels like they wrote a sort of shown any type show, like aiming for younger kids in the storyline. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like lots of amazing shows are aimed at younger kids. It's just a very surface level conflict. Um, you have your good guys and your bad guys. It's pretty clear from the start. There will be conflict. Fighting will happen. But it felt like they wanted to still cater to a, an older audience as well. So you get a bit more, um, you know, oh, look, boobs. Let's touch those. Oh, look, and, arms. Let's cut those off. Yeah. And so, like, for me, I enjoyed the fight scenes. I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the overall hooks of it. But at this point in my life, I've seen so much anime that... Um, can fulfill those needs for me that when I got another one that also was a lot of like bouncing, it was too much. And I was like, well, I'm good. I've seen a few episodes. I'm out. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I've also seen literally hundreds of anime. And so at this point I learned where to cut out because I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. That's, that's perfectly fair. That's understandable. I know. I just, I thoroughly enjoyed all the characters that I thought they gave us some really good characters. I like um, the pig. Hawk. Oh, yeah. Hawk's amazing. Yeah. And I so especially that- like the giant pig. Yeah, Hawk's, oh, yeah. Hawk's, Hawk's mom. Hawk's yeah, mom. That, I think that was my favorite moment in the entire first episode. Like, and then that happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, don't, uh, I think they go ahead to, to set the stage for those who haven't seen it, just to give you a little bit of a background. So it's it's an anime that is set in kind of a like medieval era setting. So there's a lot of you know swords and pikes and and those Dungeons and Dragons land. Yeah, it's 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 generic Dungeons and Dragons land kind of thing. Uh, and there are these knights who kind of protect everything. And the most legendary of these knights were the seven deadly sins. And they were these seven, cause you know, when I first heard there's the show seven deadly sins, I'm like, oh, are they, they, the actual embodiment of, of sins? Is it like greed from, uh, uh, full metal alchemist? But it's not quite like that. They, they were these seven no one, legendary no one. warriors. Is like greed. From yeah, no, one, no one is like. Uh, they were these seven legendary warriors who, through a series of events that I'm not going to spoil because it will spoil huge chunks of the plot, uh, some badness happens and they become wanted and they kind of just vanish into the, the background for uh, literally decades. Uh, and then we, we start to piece together. We're, we're getting the band back together, as it were. Uh, Dirty and, dozen. And uh, wackiness, craziness ensues, uh, various and sundry bouncing. Because, oh God, there is a lot of bouncing. Uh, but it's good. The fighting's good. The characters are interesting. I was always left wanting to know more. And it's not that they weren't telling me things. It's not like they were just keeping everything like, oh, deep, dark secret, no one can ever know. It's just, even when you learned things about characters, you really wanted to learn more about them. At least in my opinion. Uh, and what it, am I? it doesn't yeah. really end. The season ends, right? But uh, There's supposed to be a season two coming out this year. Yeah, I was going to say, there is a season two coming eventually, supposedly soon, so any time now. No, I think it's November the first was released. And they just... Oh, that'll be awesome, because I would like to see more. Uh, one of my favorite parts is they, because you know how a lot of, like, you know, like, kept, um, Dragon Ball, they named their attacks. I love it that this show, they, like, the, the name goes on the screen, and I don't know why I really love it when they do that. Yeah, and I also like that everyone knows the name. So, like, when, when the, the main character who's got some move, they do it, and it appears on the screen. Like, everybody else will refer to it as that thing, as if they saw it, too. Yeah? Yep. Uh, I, I think that's great. Who was who your favorite character? Uh, boy, who was my character? I, I did like the pig. Uh, the guy, and I can't remember what his name is. 
the, the one who's effectively immortal. Bon? Bon. I really like Bon. Bon's my favorite, by far. Uh, and I, I also like the giant, because she's awesome. Deanne, yeah. yeah great show. I've watched through it three times. I really liked that movie, that show. But I'm a sucker for Shonen a lot of, for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying, Squee, you totally need to go see this, but I haven't watched nearly as much anime as you have, so I can I can absolutely see where your complaints come from, and uh, I'm not sure. It's it's like, I don't feel strongly enough about this like I do about Full Metal Alchemist, where I'll go, look, if you like anime at all, go watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Just do it. Don't even question it. Just do it. Just this do is it. one that I, I think it's fun, I think it's enjoyable, and I, I wanted more. It kind of reminded me of an anime that I watched in the 90s called Slayers. Uh-huh. Um, because Slayers is essentially like someone's D&D game, but with like the non-serious players. Mm-hmm. And so your main character was Lena Enverse, and she was a, essentially a wizard or a sorceress who has a few spells, but she's also got a spell that is massive AoE and destroys whatever city she's in. Dragon and she has a short Slayers. temper, so she destroys the city all the time. <laughs> And hilarity ensues. Okay. <laughs> so when it comes to that genre of kind of like you're in D&D, um, that's pretty good. I mean, obviously, that was the 90s, and like there wasn't nearly as much plot as you get out of things now. There wasn't nearly as much mystery one episode to the next. But that kind of hit that itch for me a long time ago. And since then, I've seen so much that I'm kind of numb isn't the right word to it. But, I mean, big surprise, stories get retold. And... Yeah. It's one of those things where if it comes on and I'm in the room, I'm not going to leave, but I didn't really feel the need to track it down. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I also found that the main character, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, Meliodas. 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 Yeah. Uh, he's a very much, in my opinion, a Vash character. Absolutely. And I, first half Vash, yes. Yeah, first first half Vash. And I, that's, uh, uh, God, what is the name of that show with Vash the Stampede? Trigun. Tri- Trigun. Trigun. There we go. Yeah, so that is a, that's a Trigun reference for those who haven't seen Trigun. Uh, go see Trigun. Um, he's goofy and dopey. You can't take him serious until he gets mad. Yeah, and he's constantly trying to protect everyone uh, to, with varying success. But I mean, he's, he's mostly trying to protect Elizabeth so he could. Well, I, I still think that that's part of the air that he's putting on. So, probably, but to be fair, I've watched him let Bond get his head cut off a couple times. Yeah, well, but Bond's immortal is fine. It's, it's true. Yeah. Still hurts, I bet. And I I swear there are some episodes towards the end of season one where it's almost like he completely forgets that he's supposed to be the goofy guy groping uh, uh, the princess, and then he suddenly remembers, oh yeah, I should do that, just so that you don't pay attention to the serious stuff that I do. Pretty much. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's all an act and I'm not excusing him for, you know, the total, total fan service that constantly goes on. It's totally there, and if that kind of thing makes you uncomfortable, you need a different show. But uh, mm. I, I still think that it's... <sighs> My wife walked out of the scene when he first meets Elizabeth, and he's just kind of, he's just groping That's her while rough. she's unconscious. Right. And she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and this is another one that's on Netflix. A, a lot of the anime that I've seen are on Netflix because I have a Netflix subscription, and so when I'm just looking for something to watch, I'll just, you yeah, know, And they put some quality one. stuff on there. This was a Netflix original. Like, they own the dubbing rights. Yeah, oh, and I should mention that it, uh, a couple of these, when we say that they're Netflix originals, uh, Netflix didn't make them. They bought the rights to them and did the dub. Yeah. Yeah, so I was confused about that at first. 
Uh, all right, so Squee, you got something obscure for us? Something maybe we've never um, heard of? Yeah, so after the last episode, one of the comments that I saw in the feedback was that we'd hit on a lot of things that were really popular and that people had already heard of. And so, I mean, we when you're doing an overview, you're going to hit things that people have probably heard of. But I wanted to find some things that were deviations from the normal stuff that you would think of. So that if you're like, I hate anime because it's all like Naruto and Dragon Ball. Well, here's some things that aren't. Sure. Um, so I, I won't spend too much time on them because I know we don't want to go forever. But just to give you the hooks. So first up, I have something that just recently is in like within the last month has come out on Blu-ray. I don't know if it's on the streaming sites due to the nature of how it came out. But it's called Deno Coil. And Deno Coil is a really good anime that came out literally like a decade ago, but never got licensed until very recently. And the premise of Deno Coil is I want you to think about the augmented reality stuff that we have with Pokemon Go or Ingress or any of the other things where, you know, you look through a, a phone at the moment and you see things that aren't there, but everything, everyone sees the same things. Everyone interacts with them. And in Deno Coil, they do that with glasses. Hmm. And so if you have these glasses on, you can see data. You can see applications. You can see programs running. You can see all this stuff that isn't really there. But since everyone sees it, it's effectively real. And the idea is that Denocoil is set like 15 years after that technology has come out. And it follows a bunch of middle schoolers who pretty much grew up in a world where that was normal. And so considering the way that, you know, things are and like, you know, Tokyo, Japanese kids can't really have a lot of pets. They don't have a lot of space. So you have a digital pet. And this is your, like, you feed it, you treat it just like a real animal, but it's your pet. But the thing is, it doesn't get old. Mm -hmm. It won't die. Um, this is a very different experience from actual pets. Um, so you have all these kids that grow up in a world where they're online all the time. They're seeing things all the time um, and all of that. And after a while, the trend sort of starts dying down. And so you know, people are like, yeah, well, that's what kids do. They've outgrown it. They don't really bother with them anymore. And the show follows a bunch of kids who still do this who still wear their glasses, who still go around, they still look for stuff. The main character is a girl who moves to another town because her aunt has a job there. And she ends up running with a group of people who look for glitches. Because if you find glitches and you find problems in the software, you can report those to people and you're given, like, you know, essentially in-game currency that you can use to get other stuff. Mm -hmm. And it starts out as a very simple, let's go explore the world around us thing. And it evolves into a really interesting and complex plot that I won't spoil any of. But if the hook of kids in an augmented reality world who are still like just kids appeals to you, I'd definitely say check out at least an episode or two. And then remember that this came out like a decade ago. Right. And have that weird, this is kind of getting to be commonplace now, but once upon a time it was entirely sci-fi. Mm -hmm. So... I would definitely recommend that. It's a very different, it's a bit of a slow burn. There's no giant fights or anything, but you do get interesting stuff coming out of it. How how long is it? Uh, Denocoil, I think, is 22 episodes long. Okay. Uh, there are two Blu-ray that cover it. And, how do you spell, how do you spell that uh, name? That's, that's D-E-N-N-O space C-O-I-L. Took me a while to find it, too. There. Oh, sorry, I should have clarified that. Yeah, so that one I really enjoyed. Um, I'll recommend it if you're in the mood for something that's very different from everything else that you would have seen. It's high in the exploration end and, does and high it, in the mystery end. Does it end? It totally ends. Okay. It, it has a storyline. It builds towards something. There's a mystery. You find out the answer to that mystery and you get a conclusion. Awesome. Love so it. It's got that. All right. So moving next down the list, um, I'm going to start describing these things in relation to other stuff. So I don't have to explain them quite as long as that one. So there's an anime um, that's based on a visual novel 
So like kind of like a choose your own adventure book, but on your computer. And it's called Steins Gate. And the premise behind Steins Gate is you have this guy who's pretty much a a loser scientist who keeps inventing ridiculous things that are pointless. But eventually, through a series of accidents, he invents a microwave that it's a cell phone microwave combination that lets you send text messages to the past. Huh. So you can send a text to your previous self like a week ago. And that's a very simple hook. And so he obviously like tests this and he sends a message back a week in time. And then he realizes like he gets this weird like twitchy feeling that the world around him has changed somehow. Hmm. And he's created some difference. Like he's essentially skewed into a different timeline based on, you know, well now a different choice was made based on the text he sent back. Right. And as the series goes on, you know, experimenting more, sending more messages back, trying to change things to see what's going on. You end up in something that's kind of like sliders, like not on the grand scale of like, oops, Nazis won, but much more localized, much more like small scale, interesting. Like, let's see how different someone's life is from it. Again, these are just SMS messages. You're not going back and changing all of history, but you're affecting your life and the people around you. And he's the only one who remembers the old timelines. Huh. And it's a pretty interesting to watch show. It's a bit slow at first, but about halfway through things really come to a head and then it's just a nonstop run all the way to the end because it's like the kind of speculative science fiction that I really enjoy Mm -hmm. because it's a giant what if game. But in this case, it's very localized and character centric rather than global event centric. Um, The science is kind of dumb at points, um, which you just go with because it makes the plot work. But past that, um, it also ties in a lot to the, um, you might remember this clues like a long time ago, there was an internet thing, like a nineties meme. If you can believe such a thing existed. Um, yeah, it was like, I think his name was Alan Teeter. The concept of the time traveler who went on the internet and posted to Usenet. Oh yeah, that guy. Sure. And he was hunting down like an old IBM computer so that he could get the technology he needed to save the future. Mm -hmm. This plays into that a lot. So if you like really weird old internet kind of stuff too, this is almost like a weird old creepypasta thing. Um, Wait till you see CERN show up. It's really different. Um, you'll have fun with that. But I would definitely recommend that for people looking for a sci-fi hook. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, another thing that I'll throw out, which is a bit quicker and easier to explain, is there's an anime called Eden of the East. Okay. And it is straight up the Bourne identity. Just completely. Um, this guy is standing outside of the White House in America with nothing but a gun and a cell phone and doesn't know why he's there. Huh. He is naked holding a gun outside the White House and a cell phone, doesn't know why. That is the opening scene. It's a mystery to find out who he is, how he got in the situation, and what's going to happen next. Um, It's really good. It's only like 10 episodes long and then two movies. And it's really weird watching an anime set in America for at least the first few episodes because it's really Washington, D.C. They blatantly have been there and paid attention. You'll recognize the streets if you've been. Um, It's pretty cool. So if, if you like that kind of like political espionage slash mystery thing, go mm-hmm. for it. Eden of the East is really good. Um, and I want to throw a few examples out of things that start like female leads, like Deno Coil earlier, lead cast females. But um, also um, there's an anime that came out a while ago. It's called uh, Moribito, uh, Guardian of the Sacred Spirit. Hey, I've seen that one. Yeah. And the main character of Moribito isn't just a girl. It's an actual woman who's an adult and also a very accomplished spear wielder 
in like a sort of feudal Japanese setting. And the story follows her as she's essentially given the task of protecting this kid who, for reasons, is in danger. Yeah. And if you want to see, like, strong female protagonist, this is probably the best one you're going to get for a long time. It is really good. It's very pretty. It's very well written. The conflict is believable. And it doesn't sort of... It's not like a Black Widow kind of awesome female character who's simply really attractive and like preys on men and takes advantage of it. No, she's just a really tough chick with a spear who is completely reasonable in all of her actions. Yeah. I'm gonna, hmm, at the risk of, of sounding a little too reductionist here. It, yeah, she's a person. Yes. It, it's no, not, that's good. Yeah. It, it's not that she's like, you know, the hot action female lead or the old wise female. lead. No, no, she's, she's an actual person. She's not, She's not perfect. Uh, she doesn't do everything right all the time. She's just a person. She happens to be a woman. And it's it's not like that she's a woman never comes up. It certainly does, but not... I, I, I don't know. It's a really it's good It's not show. a character trait. It's a circumstance. Yeah. And this was one of those that... Uh, I found it on Netflix, and I think this was one of those that was recommended to me because I had watched something else. And I'm like, eh, that series is done. I guess I'll watch this. And I really enjoy... It was... I'm going to describe it as a page-turner anime. I always yeah. wanted to watch the next episode. It's just really well done. And I recommend it for people who are tired of the teenage male whiny protagonists, because it's very much the opposite. Stupid narrative. And it uh, it has some really good visuals. It's, it's a very beautifully done uh, show. Yeah. So, likewise, if you're just into, you know, samurai period type things, you know, like, swords and spears and, you know, horses and combat and stuff like that. Moribito delivers pretty well for that. Yeah. Um, uh, another one just to throw out there without much description needed is there's a movie that came out in, I think, 2009 or so called Sword of the Stranger. It's a standalone movie. It's pretty much every samurai movie you've ever wanted to see. Um, there's a political conflict in the background. There's a guy who's really awesome with a sword. There's a kid with an adorable dog. And... The fight scenes are some of the best things I've ever seen animated. You don't need to know anything going in. You don't need to know Japanese history. They've got some made-up plot line. But if you're just looking for straight up, I want to watch people fight with swords. It's a really good one. It feels like you're watching a samurai movie. It's very well choreographed for the fight scenes. So, again, not like a plucky male protagonist. It's a, this is like a guy, and he he's an adult. He's not a kid. He's not super special. He doesn't glow or have a hidden thing in him. No, he's just a really good guy with a sword. And he doesn't want to use a sword. He mostly fights people with other stuff. It's very combat pragmatism. I like it. Okay. Yeah. And finally, just to wrap this up, because I wanted to bring something really weird that no one has likely seen into the list. Uh, there's an anime that came out a few years ago. And I'm going to start by asking you this, Clues. Yeah. And also, Rich. You guys know what Pokemon is? I do. Yes. Yes. So, Kid, Supernatural Companion, the Pokemon, Digimon, all that kind of stuff. I want you to imagine someone decided that they wanted to teach you about essentially financial concepts like austerity and inflation with Pokemon. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? So there's an anime that's called C is the short name, just the letter C. Okay. Um, its full name, if you want to actually Google this, is um, C, the money of soul and possibility control. Yes, the money of soul and possibility control. It's a very strange title. 
And essentially the premise of the show is you've got a kid who's like in college and or high school. I forget which. It doesn't really matter. In anime, they kind of blur. Um, kids in school and works a crappy side job in like a 7-Eleven. And ultimately, he finds himself in this weird, surreal CG place that's called the Financial District. And when you end up in the Financial District, you are essentially given a great deal of money. And your future is put down as the collateral on that money. And you're also that all of your money and all of your future is essentially incarnated into a thing, kind of like a Pokemon or a Digimon. And you have to, at least once a week, fight someone else's thing in what they call deals. You were called an entree, as in an entrepreneur. And your Pokemon type thing is called an asset. And ultimately, you have what is essentially an analog to people who are borrowing from their futures, going into debt, to then launch deals where their assets are fighting against other people's assets for money. And it gets really surreal, as you would probably guess. Because someone is essentially trying to teach you what austerity is through Pokemon. It's too weird for me not to share with others. Here's what I want to know. And this yeah? is directed oh. directed toward our listeners. Is anyone out there using this anime in an economics class? Because I, I hope not. I'd like to know. <laughs> I really hope not. Um, so you, you'll get the sense pretty quickly that this is very much a pro-austerity piece. Uh-huh. That is anti- spending money you don't have to solve problems right now. Sure. And so if you pay attention to economic theory, this is like the opposite of Keynesian economics and all that stuff, which most people don't really pay much attention to. But essentially, if you look at things like what happened in Greece and other stuff like that, you run into situations where it's like spend less money because you don't have money and hope your economy gets better. And there are different theories back and forth on how that works. But this anime takes a very firm line on borrowing money from the future bad and... That's why you have all these people that are betting their futures. And the thing that makes the anime itself interesting is that so you go up against someone else in a thing. If they defeat you, you lose money to them out of your balance. And because your balance is your future, weird things start happening in your life where things go badly. Like if you end up like 10 bucks under, you might just get a cold and then that sucks for a few days. Mm -hmm. If you end up losing most of your money, you might start losing real things from your future like I don't want to spoil anything, but one of the characters suddenly wakes up one morning and he not only doesn't have a job, he never had a job. He's essentially a bum now huh? because it works retroactively. Like his future is gone. He never had that future and his life has changed accordingly. And so it takes things up to a ridiculous scale of how all this nonsense works. And I really enjoyed it because it's so ham fisted in telling you like your attacks are called flations. As in microflation, <laughs> macroflation, all of that stuff. Like, there's nothing subtle about any of this. But you also get cool fight scenes where, like, you know, your um, your demon familiar is fighting against someone's giant refrigerator monster. And all the while, they're trying to teach you economics. And it's just a strange thing to watch. And if you want to watch something that's weird, but, I mean, it still has all the action scenes. It still has really good music. It's got all that nonsense going on. Um but you want something weird, that's definitely a weird one to look to. I'm looking at the cover here. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. It really looks at first glance like there's, uh, how shall I phrase this, some fan service that goes on here. So the main character, like I said, like um, teenage slash early 20-something guy, his um, asset is 
a essentially a girl. And I'm not going to spoil what the deal is with the girl, but they don't actually play it for fan service. Okay. It it looks like it in the marketing stuff because it's like you've got like the character design is like, oh, look, she kind of looks like a succubus or something like that. Yeah, that's not really like a cool. Darkstalkers one where, you know, there's like giant looming boobs or anything like that. But like this is clearly a we wanted to get a female character into the show somewhere and we took the lazy route. Yeah, um, that is totally a thing that happens. I won't ever defend that. Um, but it's not like a will they, won't they, or anything like that. He doesn't, you know, grope or anything like that. It's just, he's weirded out by the whole situation. That's fair. Um, and then as you watch more of it, you sort of understand a little bit better about how that works and you figure out, oh, okay, well, that's a thing. Um, yeah, it's not very fan servicey once you get past that character design. Okay, fair enough. It's just from a, that's from a thing, glance. Though. Just looking at the cover, it yeah. looks like a generic anime, like the most generic anime you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And then you start watching, and it's like, wait, why are they throwing economic theory at me out the gate and not slowing down? Just strange. So I'm throwing that out there as a, an example of something very weird and different that you probably will never see if I don't tell you about it. I, I think that's completely fair, honestly. That is – that's a thing. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, I hope we've broadened some people's horizons as far as anime goes. I think we've suggested some interesting ones, maybe ones that you've already experienced, maybe ones that you love, maybe ones you've never heard of. Maybe maybe you want to learn about economics. Who knows? But I oh, hope one, one more. I was just in a quick mention. Yeah, um, please. Um, a Kamega Kill. Okay, I don't know this one. Um, I, be- I believe it was on Toonami. That I'm not I'm not positive, but I believe it was. It came out, what, like two years ago? Something like that. Um, it's about a kid. He's like he leaves his town to make money because he lives in a real small town far away from the capital. Um, I'd say it's medieval time, but it's not accurate. Um, there's no good time for it. It's, I, I still sort of lump it into like fantasy D and D land, except there's lots of guns. Yeah, fantasy path, Pathfinder land. <laughs> yeah. So um, he comes and he comes to the big city. Realizes it's horrible. And he ends up getting kind of lumped in with an assassination guild, and they're trying to take down like keys members of the very corrupt empire. And they're all empowered by what they call imperial arms. It's a weapon that has um, unique properties. Um, like um, I guess the the female protagonist Akame, if you, I guess you want if you want to call her that, like she wields a sword that is one one hit kill. If that sword cuts you, you instantly you die. That seems like a dangerous thing to carry. Yep, just because it carries a magic virus that when it cuts someone, that reaches their heart. The virus reaches their heart, they die. Hmm. She only needs to land one shot. And then there's other like more magical weapons. Like there's a character has a ring that lets them control water and things like that. So I don't. It's it's very interesting. It's very cool. Um, it's very like a simple for what it is. It's characters, you know, they're they're killing people to do do what they. It's an action show. Yeah, very okay. much so. Sure. So it's just one I found recently and I've really enjoyed. All right. Well, I will I will add that to the list. Speaking of list, I'm going to go ahead in the show notes. I'm going to write down all of the shows that we talked about today. Uh, in particular, I'm going to spell them correctly so that they're easier for folks to find. I, Probably I, a good idea. I would link to the Wikipedia page, but I don't want to spoil things, so I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to list uh, how these things are spelled if you want to try and uh, track them down. Because some of them aren't how you think they are. Uh, so... We'll uh we'll totally make that happen yeah. in the show. Deno coil is bad. Yeah, for instance, some of them are easy, some of them not so much. But yeah. There you go. Uh, okay, so hey, that's that's our anime episode part two. 
there will likely be a part three, because I can think of at least two or three other shows I'd kind of like to talk about that uh, we haven't yet. But that's cool. That's cool. There's always yeah, more. Yeah, and likewise, if you have any questions, by all means, you can throw them at me on Twitter, or we, you can throw them, I guess, at them, and then we can address some of that in the future ones, because anime is huge. It is like ginormous. There's a lot of it. It's been going on since the 60s, technically longer, but the 60s is modern anime. Yeah. And there's plenty of room for discussion. Like it could just turn into, and here's 10 shows you should watch, but topics are probably better if you have anything that you would like to ask about. Yeah, they are. Uh, The themes, maybe characters, maybe you want us to go into one particular anime like Crazy Deep. We might be able to pull that off. Let let us know. Uh, There there are ways to, uh, to reach us, which we will tag here at the end of the show. But before we do... Let's uh, let's say, hey, Squee, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, do you have any contact info you want to put out there? Maybe other projects you're involved in? Um, yeah. So first of all, you can um, obviously catch Clues and I over on Monday Night Magic pretty much every week. Like we take breaks maybe once every three months when nothing happens. Um, but past that, you can always you know find us over there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at SqueeGoblinAbob. Um, spelled without an I in the word goblin. So that the original reason was because Twitter didn't give me enough characters, but now it's just sort of become the running joke that I sign off everything saying what happened to the I. And in the case of this one, I'm pretty sure the I was on Netflix and fell off. Yeah. So that's that happens. sad. Yeah. Yeah. Just as you were getting to the good part too. Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, you can also go over to enchantworld.com where, um, I have a very rarely updated, unfortunately podcast where I essentially reach out to people and ask them to submit stories of their own based on different topics that I post at the site, um, largely related to Magic the Gathering and the Magic community. Like, I don't really care about someone's amazing deck or what exactly they feel like are the good cards and the bad cards from a set. There's a million podcasts that do that. My stuff focuses more on the community elements, like, you know, what things were like at your store or what challenges you faced because of whatever classification you fall into or how things are different in your part of the world from other places. Like, that's the stuff that I reach out for. I want to know about the player experience more so than the actual game. And I have a wide variety of topics that people can submit for. I probably gave people too many options because I have a whole lot of things very shallow. And as I get more stories on specific topics, I can pull together extra content and release those episodes. But right now, there's a whole lot of them that are sitting about half done. Um, Likewise, I try to occasionally do interviews to line things up. Uh, I haven't put out an episode in a while, and I've got some people that I'm going to interview on a recent magic topic that I won't go into too heavily here. But I'm hoping that once my life straightens out a little bit from my other major topic that I'm about to talk about, then I'll be able to get back to that. And finally, the other one is that um, I help out with an anime slash costume slash um, craftsmanship slash photography slash everything convention, um, but primarily a maker focused convention. Um, called Cosplay America, which is going to be going on in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, in a few weeks, which date-wise is going to be October 21 to 23, 2016. And it's a convention that I've been handling all the programming on. We've got a lot of stuff going on for people who want to get into cosplay, people who are already into cosplay or craftsmanship or any of that stuff and want to get better. Um, For people who don't want to make anything but want to see cool stuff, we've got plenty of that going on. We have People who are going to teach everything from, I want to make a sword while we have a workshop for making swords, to the more out there stuff like we're going to have um, people showing you how to turn a wig into a bird that you can wear on your head. 
Um, all kinds of weird and creative stuff all over the place. We've got a guy who's going to show up in his robot costume, and he's going to show you how he essentially builds mech costumes by buying Gundam model kits and scaling up the pieces. Wow. Oh, my. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, if you're in the North Carolina area and you want something to do that weekend, definitely go to cosplayamerica.com and check that out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because you can't get together, you know, a thousand creative people and not have a great weekend. So definitely recommend that. And past that, if you want to send me an email, you can send an email to planeswalker.squee at gmail.com. And that will definitely get to me and I will reply. But the best way to get me is usually just adding me on Twitter because that I check all day. He is very active on this is true. And hey, so. if you are in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, for any reason, I recommend that you take a brief jaunt to the city next door. Go to Durham, North Carolina, and check out Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. It's a great shop. You should check it out. I have yeah, a- and if you actually go to Cosplay America, it's down the street, because we're still off 15501. You oh. could get there in like 10 minutes, Yeah, okay. and that's with traffic. Fantastic. So. so that's a great idea. Pop over there, check it out, go to the expo. It, yeah, it'll be awesome. Make a weekend of it. Go for it. It's worth the drive. That's what I'll say. All right, well, thank you again, Squee. Uh, if you want to reach us, if you've got something long-form you want us to know about, if we missed an anime, if you if you really hated something I said about one of these things, don't don't tell me. I'll feel terrible about myself. But... If you want to give us some input, we would love to hear from you. There are a variety of ways to do that. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are at Random Discard on Twitter. That's all one word, no underscores or anything like that. You can email us. We are randomdiscardcast at gmail.com. Several of you have emailed us in the past couple of weeks about uh, a couple of our recent episodes, and I promise I will get back to you. I've just been real busy with school uh, these past couple of weeks, but I, I've seen your emails. Don't worry. They have not gone, vanished into a black hole. I'm totally going to answer them. I promise. Thank you for reaching out to us. If you want to reach out to me directly, your fastest way, if you can keep it short, because it's on Twitter, is at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. You can reach me at MindMage. Well, yeah. Yeah, it, it, like in the show notes. yeah, it's spelled like in the show notes. I'll also put Squeeze Twitter and uh, a link to Enchant World there in the show notes in case you need to get a hold of him. Thank you again, Squee. Thanks, Rich. I think it was a great discussion here tonight. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you all next time. I get one tweet about how Full Metal Alchemist isn't the greatest anime that person gets cut. Oh, man. <laughs> that I hope that doesn't. Oh, the greatest anime, though?